And when I came into that aid station at 135K, the lead woman at that time was actually leaving the aid station. Wow. And so that, yeah, that was fun. That was like, there's the carrot. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, everybody. We are back with another Gotta Run Racing episode. Why do you always laugh when I say that? Because <laughs> it's always hard to start. Yeah, it's hard to start, but once we get going. There's no stopping us. <laughs> okay, what's happening in the world of Gutter Run Racing? Well, we have a new logo. Is it down here? Up there? It'll be right here. Right there. Okay. <laughs> what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments below. We're not going to say anything about it. Just you look at it and say this or that. Yes or no? What do you think it is? Doesn't matter what it is. Could be many <laughs> things. But we had an inspiration behind it. And we went with it. And that's what we went with. And we love it. Yeah. Can't wait to see it on hats and t-shirts, etc. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. And uh, what is now live in Gotta Run Racing? We run the North Virtual National Park 10K Series and Lost Treasure Trail Race. And excitingly enough... The distance that is currently winning in registrations is the new 25K. Mm. All right. I wonder what that course is going to look like. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure it out before race day. (laughs) Maybe a couple of days. Yeah, let them go this way. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. And who is on the podcast today? Well, we have Jenny Quilty from Abbotsford, BC. She's been running ultras for about seven years now. She's won... The Squamish 50-50 outright in 2019. She plays second female at Canadian Death Race in 2021. Mm-hmm. She also in 2021 won female, top female ultra trail Harikana beating Marianne Hogan. Oh, we all know who that is. And she recently participated in and won her very first 100 miler. That she ever entered. Ever entered <laughs> in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which earned her a... Golden ticket to Western States. And a spot at UTMB. There you go. Here's Jenny. Coming up. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny, and congratulations on winning your first 100 miler recently in Thailand. Thank you. But before we get to that, tell us what drew you originally to the ultra running scene. I was I was resistant at first, <laughs> um, probably as most of us are when we hear about these big, wild endeavors. Um, but I, I got drawn in after completing my university schooling. So I did my undergrad out in Edmonton. That didn't pull me in. And then I came back to BC and finished my master's at UBC. And um, I just wanted another goal. I've always been really goal-oriented. And I've liked having things on the calendar to work towards that are tangible. You know, like with school, um, with running, you do a certain thing, you hope for a certain result, and it kind of should add up in some way, or you learn as you go and you change your plans. So yeah, that kind of drew me into setting up a goal to work towards an ultra. And I chose my first 50K for uh, basically September after I graduated. So I had kind of a full year um, to move into more training for the trails and just learning obviously more about the whole idea of completing a 50K. I think women are a lot more goal oriented when it comes to training. Don't you find that we seem to need that race, that goal achievement? in order to stay more focused. Whereas I think guys 
just tend to we just run for running they just yeah <laughs> or we're running away from something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say like yeah with the athletes um i work with them in coaching like it's it's a bit mixed i think women um i guess myself in particular too i can speak to that like i like to have a goal with an action plan like it's not just the goal and it's kind of like that working backwards part that draws me in in the day-to-day um, like one of the first things I do after a race is kind of write the checklist of what I want to change for the next one. And <laughs> I think for, yeah, for men, I guess it varies a bit, but sometimes it's like this big goal and then the job of, yeah, the coach or whoever else is a mentor in their life is like laying out the action plans um, and helping with the small steps. But yeah, everybody's definitely different with how they like to go about the goal setting <laughs> for sure. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we first came across your name back in 2019 when you oh. won outright Squamish 50-50. Can you explain this race? This is where you run the 50 miles first, 50K second. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday. And I'm just curious, do you hold back on that first day and then you did everything the second or just said, just go for it and whatever happens, happens? I would say, so for me in that year, my goal was to go out and challenge the course record. So I was aware of that the first day and wanted to make sure the second day could be successful as much as controllable, right? I think that's something, again, really interesting you bring that one up to start that has changed. So this past summer, I'll give a shout out to Priscilla Forgey, who who took the record. Yeah, I'm going to say So I say she went out racing. I, I can say this. She told me in advance when we were talking about the race. She was going to go race the 50 miler, see what happened and decide if she would do the 50K. Mm-hmm. So I know she went out racing the 50 miler. You know, she won it. I think like now in the 50-50, if you're going to let's say compete for the podium or the course record, especially, you do have to race both days. Whereas I was even when I did it in 2019, I was I was racing it, but I wasn't intentionally racing the people in the individual events. That kind of just happened along the way. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I shout out to Priscilla. Yes, I was going to yeah. mention her name. <laughs> uh, but now that she has the record, are you going to try to reclaim it? Not, not this year. Um, Squamish has a big place in my heart. It's a race I am at every year. I will certainly be there this year in what capacity we'll find out kind of as the summer plays itself out. But I don't think I'm ready to make that the focused goal because I think it does need to be the focused goal of the year. Like those days have significant elevation, but it's still a very runnable course when you're on the West Coast, but it's technical. Uh, It requires a lot of obviously dedication and effort. And I mean, she set an amazing record. So to think of going back, I'm like, ah, I think I'll wait, you know, and see how that goes or but yeah, I hope somebody does. It's always really fun to see our sport and the performances continue to get better and better. We learn from each other that way, I think. Absolutely. It would be awesome to see you two toe the line at the same squamish. <laughs> yeah, at the same squamish. Well, we've towed the same line twice, and I have come second to her twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I, I would like, yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Like, Priscilla's amazing. I think I would love to get to toe the line with her when we're both, you know, have a season we're like a, a big field on that start line and really get to like race together in a kind of like an A race. And yeah, it'd be super fun. I love racing with Priscilla. <laughs> She's wonderful. <laughs> now that may not be considered a stage race having only two legs, mm-hmm. but is stage racing anything that you would be something that's on your bucket list to attempt? Yeah, actually. So I did um, the Trans Selkirk's five day stage race back in, I think, 2018, I, th- I think it was. Uh, and that's a 100 mile week, yeah, over five days. And I loved it, like loved it. Like I was like, oh, I'm a stage racer. <laughs> 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 Haven't gone back to the five day events. I think mostly because I'm like right now, I'm really invested in learning how to race and compete in some of these bigger races with big field and stage races are maybe just slowly growing to have that same competitive field. 
and that same kind of racing approach, like you said, where you're racing every day. Um, <laughs> so I haven't gone back to it yet, but yeah, stage races, I love it. Cause it's, it's kind of like a big fun training camp with higher effort where you run, you eat and you sleep. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's no work in between. There's no commuting really like depending on where you're at for the race, but it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> And Trans Selkirks, I believe, is part of the Trans Rockies group? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's the, I believe it's the only one in Canada and it's up in Revelstoke, BC. And um, yeah, fantastic event. A little bit different. Like they don't do the camping like the Trans Rockies. Mm. If anybody's familiar with that, they move your gear for you and you camp in this big tent city, whereas Trans Selkirks is hosted at the Revelstoke Resort. So you can uh, stay in a hotel. I camped just nearby when I did it. So yeah, yeah you can kind of have your own accommodation that way. Well, they, that series has added a new one in Moab, which we're going to be doing. I'm doing it. Norm's going to awesome. be crewing, but I'm excited too, because the the thought of camping after like a 50 mile day is not <laughs> appealing to me or my 52 year old bones. However, I am excited to try stage racing because I think it's an interesting test to do that back to back and see how your body recovers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to try it. Let's That's get some awesome. free advice from a coach. What do you, what do yeah. you recommend? From, uh... I, I'm glad you asked because I was like about to jump in and I was like, they didn't ask. <laughs> Don't give your advice all over. But no, I would say the biggest, the biggest thing I would say is making sure that in the first couple of days, depending on the conditions, especially down somewhere like that, making sure your hydration and nutrition is as, as good as it can be, right? Obviously, again, things don't always go to plan, um, but making sure that you're not building a bigger deficit than you will anyways, right? By running those distances across the days. And post run really make it have fun, but mm -hmm. don't hang around the finish line and celebrate, you know, too hard or for too long. I kind of get off your feet, go do your foam rolling or use your massage gun, whatever tools you take with you um, and really try to decompress after each day and then refuel. Um, and and, that's, and a, with a beer in hand, though, right? <laughs> if if you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> See, as if you should coach, you say no. I mean, it's carbs. Uh, there's, there's people who say it's carbs, it's calories, it's all that other side, alcohol and inflammation, you know, maybe have like your beet juice smoothie first. Okay. I'm making a list. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you've got it. It'll, I'm sure it'll be a ton of fun. And I'm not racing. So, <laughs> well, you know, every, like when you have your goal, I always say this, like when you have your goals, it's still okay to treat them with seriousness and professionalism, but obviously still at every level have fun along the way. <laughs> yes, you're so right. I, I do have to set a goal because when you achieve the goal, it's that much more rewarding, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's super fun to have those, the A goals, you know, the B goals that sometimes I find help get you to the A goal when you feel like it's not there. <laughs> so yeah, having those different markers, I think is, is really, especially in a multi-day event, right? Like you need something that helps you on that, you know, day two, day three, when you're like, Oh, you know, I see people who aren't starting. I see people hanging out and it looks really fun. <laughs> yeah. I think my goal during those three days is just try to get in front of you at each aid station or. Yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> capture this for video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have the, you have the hard job of showing up on time yeah, <laughs> with true. some, yeah. Yeah. With hopefully like some easy travel along the way, but who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Another race I would like to chat before we get onto your 100 miler is the canyons that you did. Mm. Uh, was your intent to try to get to Western States there for a ticket or just to see how you play with the rest of the field? Because it was a, a competitive of, field. Yeah, a bit of both. 
originally like, of course, you know, if I'm showing up to a golden ticket race, the, the hope is for a golden ticket and that magical day. But I think last year, I guess prior to December, like, and even early spring, like basically up until canyons, I, I had a really amazing opportunity to learn about racing in those bigger fields and what it taught me about how that feels. I guess it showed me a lot about my, my self-talk and how, you know, those comparison games we play that don't always happen when you're up front. Like it, it's just a reality, right? When you're up front, like it's easy to feel good. Um, <laughs> so I really wanted to throw myself into some fields where there was 30 plus women who could win that day. And you're going to have these men that are hours ahead of you. Right. And that's a really, you know, in Canada, we have amazing, amazing, obviously runners. We don't always all gather at the same races. I wanted to go down to one of the races where those people gather. So I did check in at earlier in the year, the 50K in mm -hmm. Bellingham, again, a really competitive 50K in the Pacific Northwest and then um, canyons. And I, yeah, again, like the intention and goal was there. I treated it as I was going for a golden ticket, but also I think maybe just in retrospect or looking back at how the the day went, I was like, oh, it was like a learning and growth race. And those are really important. And I learned how a lot of racing in that field was distracting for me from my <laughs> own plan. And by the end, I was like, wow, I didn't fuel to my plan. I didn't like, I didn't do it. I just kind of spectated and finished the course. <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting. So it was really cool to unpack that and then see how we I could grow that for the next kind of attempt or the next race and and yeah it kind of changed my summer plans of like okay I need to throw myself into some more shorter races just to play with that idea of being in different spots and and play with these new mental skills that I'm working on before mm. kind of going towards the next one yeah well so interesting we did chat with Jasmine Lothar who ended up winning mm. the golden yes. ticket that year she didn't use it but she, she it was a big surprise to her as well it was a great chat that we had with her I think yeah. we got her up at six o'clock in the morning that day. <laughs> That's <laughs> ready, awesome. Ready for a podcast. Yeah. And then there's me. I'm like, 10 a.m. is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jasmine. And again, another amazing Canadian. So fun to see her burst onto the scene. And I think she has a lot of exciting performances ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your debut, 100 Miler. Sure. In yeah. Thailand. The. Doi Inthanon. Doi Inthanon. We tried <laughs> yeah, to say it. We've been practicing how to say that. <laughs> People have asked me, I'm like, I say Doi Inthanon. I think that sounds accurate. <laughs> um, I think you got it right. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Why did you choose this particular race? After after Canyons, obviously not get, like I finished, I think, 11th, not getting you know near a golden ticket. I really felt I felt great. I, I always say with that one, I ran 80k and I kind of just finished the last 20. Um, it was a, yeah, that was a tough one. So I came out of that feeling really good and really strong. And like, I really hadn't, you know, went to the well and used that fitness. And I I'm coached by David Roach. So I approached him and was just like, I kind of just want to have fun with the rest of summer practice these race skills that I've learned about. And like, I've got another one in me, I'm not done for the season, right? Like it was if if everything went in the dream world, you know, I would have had another race on the calendar because of canyons. And I was like, I'm I'm in a really good place to gear up again. I'm not ready to transition into the off season and, you know, just work on speed or flat road runs and things like that that I normally do. So if it had been on the calendar since about March, the UTMB series is now doing their elite support program where they offer entries and some financial support to racers mm -hmm. that they because they want to attract competitive fields. I had originally picked Thailand uh, back in like March of last year because it's amazing. I thought it'd be like a nice place to go in winter. <laughs> 
I wanted to do the 100K because, again, I figured that was not risking anything in my season, but also made it worth the 16-hour the flight. And then in September, they announced that it was now a world major, meaning that in the in any of the distances, top 10 get entry to UTMB as well as a golden ticket race. Mm. And I sat on it for a few days. Like, you know, I called a few friends, <laughs> my business partner, Katrina, and, and you know, I called her my trail sister or trail wife because we just were all things trail together. Called her and was like, am I, am I getting distracted? You know, like, am I being too, I don't know, opportunistic, right? With like throwing this hundred miler in that is a very unique course and it requires travel and all that. And she's like, as you know, the advice from everybody, including my coach, when I said, you know, tell me if I just need to get back on track and focus again here, you know, and be a little more patient in the timeline. And it was kind of like a resounding yes, go for it from everyone. The, the draw for me was definitely the opportunity to go after another golden ticket. And then the other draw was the timing of it. So yeah, so Thailand kind of made sense on all fronts, timing wise, terrain wise, and what I could do. And granted that obviously I'm saying this knowing that I'm going now to shift gears towards Western, like the mountain races are really fun. <laughs> I think most races are really fun, but I was like, I know I can perform on gnarly terrain. Like that's um, probably a strength for me compared to people from other places in the world that just don't get to see that underfoot. I'm like, that's what we have. And that's actually harder to avoid here so <laughs> yeah it kind of just lined up and felt like this kind of great opportunity to, yeah to go after another ticket mm. now speaking we've covered off the vert obviously there's a substantial amount of vert in that race but you're comfortable with that now still december in bc versus december in thailand the heat must have played a factor did you do anything to prepare for that or are you naturally acclimatizing not naturally acclimatized at all <laughs> i am historically uh very dramatic about the heat it does not always like feel good for my body um, <laughs> i am the runner who stops mid-run to jump in every stream in summer <laughs> so no that was a factor for sure so to prepare for that i actually did a lot of sauna training mm. sauna training post run to make sure that i was getting the heat adapt adaptations that I could before going. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. It yeah. hits you like a wall because yeah. it's, we have a lot of humidity in Ontario, but there it's just an, on a whole other level. Yeah, we've been <laughs> there before and it's just, mm. we both got sick. Yeah, <laughs> we did. It was yeah, unbelievable it heat. It's, yeah, it hits you. Like, I think it was up in the thirties during the day. Like I didn't even look. So I was like, you know, what? I don't really want to know. Like I'm going to do my cooling based on the feel and I know I need to anyways because it's like above 15 degrees <laughs> I'll start <laughs> cooling when I can and making sure I have enough hydration but it was it was hot uh very very hot especially during the day there were some open sections where you know I remember kind of thinking to myself like oh, I feel medically unsafe because <laughs> 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 I'm so hot and it is unique being somewhere so different where you know there's some there's some creeks and stuff but people tell you about the leeches and the snakes so i'm like i'm not touching that water if i don't have to and it probably would have been absolutely fine but <laughs> yeah yeah so i did as much as i could and then the humidity i just tried to really be attentive to my hydration and electrolytes along the way mm. i was soaked from head to toe the whole race with my own sweat like it was unbelievable at one point my i guess my upper like my upper thigh my quad were dripping onto my calves and i thought my water bottle was leaking so i'm <sighs> checking my water bottle <laughs> It's just my own sweat. Wow. <laughs> but it was definitely a factor. I think 
I, I just like a speculation is that as more, let's say, North American athletes travel to that race, we may see the DNF rate change. Like, I, I think that's going to be a big factor or people will prepare appropriately. But the Malaysians racing, I heard from another runner that was racing next to some Malaysians, they said it was cold up high in the mountains and at night, like they had jackets and gloves. And I'm sure some of the Thai runners did too, whereas I wore the same t-shirt and shorts the whole race, which didn't need to change, didn't need any extra layers at night. Didn't really cool off at night, in my opinion. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about the terrain of this race, because from the profile, I see that you get the biggest climbs over relatively early. Is that mm -hmm. right? Hey, guys. If you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North, celebrating Canada's national parks, features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's Banff, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. Yeah. When I was racing, I was trying to do the math to be like, I've done a third. Have I done a third of the vert? I don't know. Like, I never actually solve the math problems I start when I'm racing. Um, I usually just wander <laughs> on to the next thing. But the biggest climb, uh, it's about 2,000 meters of gain, happens uh, in the first 50K. So when you reach the summit, you're at 50K. Again, the neat thing with that, just kind of tying into the heat part, was because you're going up into the mountains, that's actually where it's cooler. So it was, that was the coldest point in the race. And as you go back down into the valleys, it gets really hot again. But yeah, so you climb up to the summit at 50K, that's your biggest climb of the day. And then really within the race, there's just very little flat terrain. Mm -hmm. Like that's probably the best way to describe it. You're kind of always doing something other than flat. <laughs> so it's, it's a very interesting course. There's actually quite a bit, I would say, of runnable terrain compared to what I initially maybe expected mm -hmm. because of that profile. But there's, yeah, there are spots where you can get a bit of flow and it's just like everything in between is gnarly. <laughs> so you get some flow and then you go up this mountain. There's my favorite spot to reference is it's just an irrigation pipe. They must have seen it and been like, well, obviously humans have been here. <laughs> some flags up it. And it was at night for me. And you look up and you just see this headlamp that again, like you'd think would be the moon. Like it's straight up there. You're like, well, okay. Like, I guess that's where we're going. So yeah, there was stuff that I feel like normally is obviously not used for trails. They definitely, and not, not a hit at all at the trail work because it was great overall, but they don't clear down trees. There was every log that was down was just down and you go over <laughs> or around and it was fine. But I was like, hmm, yeah, this is different. Like trail work is different. <laughs> um, in the prep for this race, we're so spoiled by people who go out there with their chainsaws. Like that didn't exist anywhere on course. And there weren't that many, but you know, you're climbing up and you're like, okay, there's a six foot log in front of me. Like I'm just going to hug it and kind of roll over it <laughs> at this point. Like in that regard, I think having the technical terrain and just having experienced kind of rugged trails is is really beneficial and having poles was amazing mm. i the only spot i put them away was for 5k up to the summit that was a road climb that's the only time my poles weren't actively oh, out wow. yeah in the whole thing which was not again quite expected but they yeah like they just the terrain is it to me it was so cool because 
I wanted to see what they were going to throw at us next. Like that was a really positive novelty of the course was I want to see, you know, where we're going to go. And then at night going through cornfields on the little elevated kind of platforms and going mm. through rice paddies and little villages where the aid stations were like, it was so much to be experienced just in this way of feeling like a tiny, like it just made more than ever. Like even in the deep forest here, you feel like this tiny pin in the middle of the world, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they take you out there, it was, it was such a journey and um, yeah, for, for the terrain to change so much, it was really beneficial to that novelty of the course, keeping runners really interested. Mm. Um, but yeah, you never, you never got that break. Like, you know, there's some races where you're like, okay, the climb's done. Now I'm going to cruise. You know, you'd finish the big mm. summit at 50 K and then they send you down this, this trail that again was like loose dirt so steep I I was looking on Strava because I was curious 40% grades downhill because I was sidestepping yeah like I remember sidestepping and being like you know it's too early to risk anything it's 100 miles um, (laughs) so I'm just gonna play it safe and it's also dark and I can see that this side of this is not safe to fall down (laughs) (laughs) so you know there's spots where you're just sidestepping poles go down first and then the feet go and you know you're feeling out where the edge really is so I, I felt safe the entire time, but you have to approach it with that mindset of not bombing down because again, like, yeah, the terrain is, is quite wild. Wow. <laughs> now this race has no pacers. So how was the, the night section running alone and yeah. how long of alone are you? A long time. <laughs> 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 it was kind of actually back and forth. It was actually a bit more back and forth than I thought, but there were big sections where I felt very alone. Mm. Um, the nice thing was all the aid stations were about t- uh, between 12 and 15 K roughly apart for the most part throughout the, the night section for me anyways. Um, that may obviously vary for people, you know, out there for different amounts of time, but you would go into an aid station and I would typically see somebody ahead of me leaving and somebody behind me coming in within the time okay. I was there. Yeah, so I was okay. like, okay. Yeah. Like mentally I was like, okay, yeah. you know, within five to 10 minutes, there's somebody. So that was really helpful and that was like a really nice element to the no pacer event it was definitely something i thought about going into the race of you know i think there's actually i I don't know always but like i think there are some benefits to pacers obviously as it can be a morale boost it can be a you know a true pacing guide it can help for safety and security i think the piece that in that race it would make a big difference with is the you know there's a few times where i felt like the the flagging was there was ample flagging, but sometimes it had fallen off the trees. So at night you would look up and you couldn't see anything. And then you'd pass it and be like, okay, I'm, I know I'm on course. Like there was no, there was no turns to be taken. Right. Uh, but it, when you have a pacer, it's like somebody else to be That's watching right. for those things or checking the map while you're moving. Yeah. Um, I found there was one or two, just one or two times where I kind of would like be looking around like, I know I'm on course. I haven't seen anybody for a while. And I, I really, you know, I'd leave an aid station being like, oh, I hope that person kind of comes with me. So I kind of like look behind me and be like, oh, they, they haven't, <laughs> you know, and I, I can't really wait. There was one, there was one water crossing in the night that was, it wasn't again, dangerous at, at all looking back, but I just didn't really feel comfortable like wading across it. It was a bit deeper. It was moving. And I just, again, I'd heard about snakes and leeches and I was like, I don't know, like, should I be looking for a bridge? Should I go through this water? And I did actually wait for the guy behind me and he was, he was only maybe like a minute or two behind. And I knew he was there because I'd seen him, his headlamp while I was climbing in a climb before the water crossing. And I was like, no, I'm just going to wait for him because then there's somebody at least seeing me cross this like knee high water. (laughs) Um, So that was like the only time I actually kind of changed what I was doing from like a safety perspective. But yeah, yeah, otherwise like not having a pacer, I I don't know. There's something about the night running that 
is really beautiful. Like it's really quiet. You're just, again, it's like such a, a, to me, an opportunity. Like it's so unique. I don't do night running at home or in my training. If I run in the dark, it's obviously with friends or a group at home um, because of the wildlife. And when you go somewhere different, it just feels like this novelty to be like, I get to be out all night doing this. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, there's something about night running. It's also cooler that I, yeah, I really enjoy. I find I like to be able to obviously see the view in the terrains, Mm. but sometimes moving in the dark is just more meditative. So when you've already ran for however many hours, eight hours of daylight and it gets dark, you're like, okay, now I can actually shut that part of my brain off. And I just come back into focusing on like what's in front of me and fueling and, and I don't have to, you know, be distracted or or look around too much. <laughs> right. That's true. Cause when you see this mountain that you have to climb, yeah. It it plays you the mind like, oh my God, I have to climb that thing. But at yeah. light, you don't see the size of it. Exactly. It's just one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has a nice quality to it. And yeah, it was really fun like to come into the villages at night where the aid stations work. They were all lit up. Like they did an amazing job. Like there was these tall light sticks kind of on each side that would guide you in. And then there was kids who obviously had stayed up late to like high five you as you're running in. And yeah, it was, it was really neat. And each time that they came in there, you know, you just feel lifted up and refreshed. (laughs) (laughs) Did you grab the lead early and hold on to it or how did that work? No, (laughs) my, so my, my, I followed my race plan. I'm happy to say, which was (laughs) go out respecting the terrain and the distance and, and let the race kind of, come to me like not not too passively obviously but be patient right and Mm. and wait to start so I knew with I felt like with where my fitness was at if I went out treating it like a hundred miler you know going out like an easy run is kind of my approach of treat it like a normal weekend easy run that should set me up to be in a good place to race Mm. you know if you if you go out from the start and you're already running somebody else's race to me that is like (laughs) touching the fire right like jumping jumping in really So I went out. Yeah, um, I was in, I think, I think mostly uh, third and fourth were kind of my two primary positions. Um, There was a few times where I think I moved back even to sixth, but like between aid stations, but then would move back up Mm -hmm. to fourth again. Just there was a few women I found that I was like, oh, like, yeah, again, she's ripping the downhills a bit more than I'm willing to right now. That's fine. Then I'd catch them on the next flat or the climb. So by 50K, again, that summit, and that's where you see your crew for the second time, I think I was in uh, third there. And in the time I was there, which is, you know, a couple minutes for sure, I changed my shoes. I had to get my headlamp and all my gear sorted to head into the dark. The next like four or five women had came in and I was like, oh, cool. Like we're close together. <laughs> like, <this is> awesome. <laughs> but then that kind of spread out throughout the night. Like I didn't see them all at the next aid station. I saw like one or two and then I would see one. And then, um, so yeah, I ran in third for probably the first, I think half at least and then it was I think about a hundred somewhere around the 100k mark maybe just after 110 or something at a a crewed aid station that I went into in the night and I got to see my crew Matt my partner and I that was where I was kind of like what's going on ahead of me (laughs) I I don't need to know everything exactly yet in my race plan I had said as long as I'm not way off I need, you know, if I need a kick in the pants, start to push a bit more. If it feels okay earlier on, then then tell me. But as long as I'm in a good spot where I want to be, kind of in that top podium to fourth, maybe fifth, depending on how tight the field was position, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to know too many details really until 135K because my my best kind of approach racing is that later section. I find 
I'm somebody who really tends to ease into races. Mm -hmm. And then I like tend to not really change that. Whereas often other people will fade a bit or try to have that. They'll try to run with as little, or I guess as yeah as small as a positive split as possible. Whereas I'm like, mm. I'm somebody who can kind of push into that second half more once I'm like in the flow and ready to race. Yeah. So I didn't want to know too, too much until 135K where you last see your crew um, out of 170K in the race. And then, but yeah, at around 100K, uh, I arrived to that night aid station in third, a girl that was, I think this is a dramatic story of the race, a girl that was running in fourth, again, a bit too early, obviously, to predict final outcomes, but she was running in fourth. She missed one of the aid stations. I think she just made a wrong turn because she maybe looked back and saw a sign rather than continuing to the aid station mm -hmm. and then coming back to that wow. spot. And she had about 14K that she had to add on if she went back to that aid station to catch wow. back up to where she realized her mistake. So that's how I moved into third. She ran back past me on the trail. I don't know if she finished. That I must imagine. have been mentally destroying her, but... Uh, yeah, I had a hard time <laughs> dropping it. Like, I had to be like, hey, like, you can't help her. Keep right. going. She came <laughs> right. back past me, and I instantly, you know, was like, are you okay? What's wrong? Like, you know, I have all the first aid kit I could ever need out here. I have an yeah. inrage. Like, you know, what do you need? And she's just like, I missed the aid station. And I was just like, oh, like, my heart sank for yeah. her because I knew how far she was. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have about good for you yeah, i mean like it happens it's all part of racing right like that's right staying on course uh knock on wood like you know it hasn't i haven't went off before but it's a very important part of racing yeah. <laughs> um, there have been amazing performances out of course corrections but there have also been a lot of heartbreak yeah. <laughs> lots of heartbreak so yes yeah, so that's anyways that's how i moved into third i came into that aid station around 100k and actually the lead the woman who had been leading oana she was there and she was she was puking. <laughs> yeah, so I looked over. I was like, "Oh, Awana's still here. That's great for me." I, and then I asked Matt, "You know, where's the other woman? How long ago did she? Like, how far ahead of me?" And I think at that point, he said she was about maybe ten or fifteen minutes ahead of me out of the aid okay. station. And so I was like, "Oh, great! Like, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> really, you got a lot of time there to catch." <laughs> yeah, her. yeah, that's perfect. And I was like, "Okay, like, you know, what I didn't want to hear is that they were an hour ahead." Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Okay, like, we're in the trails. We're in it together. That's relatively close, and I feel good." Yeah, so I took off into that next section and knew that, again, it would be about 20, or I guess I would see Matt again at 135K, and that's when it was time to really figure out how where she was and, and see how I was feeling, right? That would be in the daylight and back into the next morning. And when I came into that aid station at 135K, the lead woman at that time was actually leaving the aid station. Wow. And so that, yeah, that was fun. That was like, there's the carrot. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Um, so that like, the race played out really well that way that I kind of had these boosts. And again, I was feeling good. When I went into that final section, my kind of mentality or like mantra that I used was run more than she wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had that competitive bug that was like, you know, I'd hit a little flat section or a gradual uphill and be like, she won't want to run. And again, like you make it up in your brain, right? I don't know what she was doing. Right. I <laughs> she could be playing you the same way. Exactly. And I hope she was, right? Like I hope that there was that piece of, like, I'm sure she saw me and went like, oh, she's gained on me through the night, right? I'm sure yeah. that clicked. And then I didn't pass her until I think I was surprised by how fast I did catch her. I caught her within the next 6K section before the next wow. aid station. Mm -hmm. uh, the next aid station was oddly quick. Like it was 6K away compared to <laughs> what the rest had been. But yeah, I caught her in that section. We went in and out of that aid station basically together. And when I saw her, she said to me, like, I'm so tired. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, me too. 
I might have like I kind of was like oh I, I don't want to feel like I don't want to be like oh I'm not like that's not what you do in this race right and like there's no need for that like the race will play out how it plays out so I think I might have said like oh yeah yeah like it's been a long day <laughs> um, but in my head I was like okay that's that's great. Like, I feel really good. <laughs> um, and I obviously like coming from behind, there's that emotional boost too, mm. that when you catch somebody, you're in a probably a better place than when you get past, right? I just tried to really ride that. And then I, I, I guess I did because I, even though I was shoulder checking, you know, in any long stretches, kind of like, okay, where is she? I, I didn't see her again. Okay. And in that yeah. last, I guess it would be about 35K you have to run, 29-ish K, I put on an hour. <laughs> so mm. like that's a lot to gain. So I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I did a good job of running away. <laughs> wow. And I just kept that mentality, right? Of like work, I kind of told myself, like I started to change that mantra into like work 10% harder than you want to. Get out of your comfort zone here. Push a little, right? And mm. that was kind of how I tried to finish the race. Being able to do that in the last 20K of a hundred miler is definitely that's the perfect race plan. It's a gift because you, you mm -hmm. set out hoping that that's the case, but many times it isn't. The fact that you could put that into action is, you must have been, been on the, you know, the moon. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's a yes and no, right? Like there was parts where it's like, oh, I'm working harder than I want to. And, you know, you feel that, right? But yeah, there was definitely, uh, I tried to uh, keep keep it contained because, even when you're like leading, having, you know, a dream race, like for me, a, a lot came together and I was like, wow, I think like, oh my gosh, this is happening. But it's like a trip or fall could take, like it could change your yes. race in a second. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really important to race and not be ahead of yourself, like not hold yourself back, but really stay in the moment and keep doing what you need to do. So eating those gels at 26 hours in isn't a ton of fun, but you got to do it. <laughs> you know, like there's probably a wiggle room there where you're like, okay, if I'm fueled enough, I could probably pull off the last hour without it. But, you know, with three hours to go, with so many hours to go, you're like, I've got to keep doing it. I kept cooling at the aid stations, adding ice to my shirt, like my favorite cooling technique, tuck the shirt in, dump the ice in and let it kind of go around your trunk area to keep you cool. And so like just not missing those things, yeah. um, taking the extra minute at the aid station to get them to get the ice out of the cooler and do that. And it it kind of wasn't until that final, I was even like 4K, you know, after the final aid station, I was like, okay, wow. Like, but then there's shocking amounts of climbing that are really hard after that final aid station. Like <laughs> I love that aid station being like, you're going to push, you're going to crush 30 minutes to the finish. And then you see the first climb and I'm like, 45 minutes <laughs> and then you see how you're moving in a hundred miler and I'm like an hour to like I don't know you know I'm just gonna go as fast as I can and finish this thing now and my watch had died at that point so it was just again keep going keep pushing and yeah in that final like three four k the camera guy showed up you know and was starting to run with me and that's where I really had to like contain my emotions because I was like you're not going to run very fast to the finish if you're bawling your eyes out, <laughs> crying with happiness. That yeah, that was where it's like, okay, wow, I think this is actually happening, and I can allow myself to like dive into that joy a little bit. Yeah, like you've done it. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> now incredible. let's yeah, like now let's see what you can do in this last little bit while enjoying it and and you know embracing that experience. Well, now that you have the Western ticket and the UTMB place how are you going to play this out what's the goal what's the strategy where where's the racing <laughs> are you going to race western and and enjoy utmb or vice versa hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far then check this out 
calling all trail runners to come on out to Mansfield, Ontario this May. The Lost Treasure Trail Race features both the 5 and 10K on the beautiful trails of the Mansfield Outdoor Center. As the story goes, the American outlaw Jesse James buried a barrel full of gold coins stolen from a train on his relative's property somewhere in the hills of Malmer. You'll earn your very own coin medal when you cross the finish line. Registration is now open. For more info, go to gotterunracing.com. Now back to Jody and Norm. Um, I, I plan to race Western. Okay. That's like the big, yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I'm somebody who's like, I'm not shy to talk about my goals because I think if we don't set them and don't put them out there for ourselves, they obviously won't happen. We'll limit ourselves. And if they don't happen, I, that that's like, you know, it, it is what it is. Obviously we're all like, we move on yeah. and we learn and grow. So yeah, so I want to go to Western. I want to compete actually like a low, I don't know what my top, I don't know what my top end goal is yet, but my, like, obviously it's to have the best day and do the best I can out there with that field and on that course. But I definitely want to be top 10. That gets you in for the next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I obviously, I think we can all benefit from getting to do a race more than once, but just basically like having that invite back would be really nice without <laughs> <laughs> having to race for it in some of the golden ticket races. Yeah. That like Western States is the goal, um, the big goal for sure. And then for UTMB, actually, I'll be doing the 100K distance. Oh, um, so I'm not taking the double 100 miler. <laughs> I think being that this was my first 100 miler, I think that's a new right after the race. I was like, I'm not going to put two within like basically two months of each other and have three in the calendar year. That's I'm not in a rush. Like I'm I'm in a spot in my racing where I'm like, I want to I want to be in these races. I want to compete in these races and in these distances but I really want to do each one intentionally and give it my best. And I think coming out of Western being that it's flat fast and requires a very different style of training. It's, it's a big shift and a lot to ask from yourself to then perform at UTMB. I would like to show up there a little bit later when it's my key goal, you know, not yeah. the bonus. Um, yeah. So I would like to go there this year um, do the hundred K hopefully get to be, you know, semi-competitive in that assuming that recovery from Western States goes well. I think the shorter distance, is more like any shorter distance is likely to benefit from the fitness of a faster, you know, hundred mile more so than trying to go for the hundred mile there and having to do as much terrain specificity. But yeah, hopefully go there and and experience racing in Europe because that in itself to me is a really valuable experience to yeah. take to then go back and maybe do the hundred mile and compete there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you have joined a very elite. <laughs> group of women, Canadian women, that we have chatted with, who yeah. got their golden ticket, Marianne Hogan, Elsa McDonald, Jasmine Lowther, Kat Drew, Ellen yeah. Greenwood. So exciting. So oh how my do you, gosh. How does this feel that you <laughs> are in this elite? Yeah, it, it feels like it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's truly such an honor and a gift. And uh, I hope to do the proud. <laughs> you know, like I, I think, again, we all really... I like to look at our sport and again, the Canadian group of women, women in the sport in general, we're doing something really cool together, right? We're really elevating the sport at this time where the women's field, I think is more competitive than I, I don't want to say that it's ever been because I wasn't in it before. It's easy to be in it and be like, it's the most competitive ever. <laughs> um, and that would rule out some amazing people who set like Ellie Greenwood, who set course records that are still standing. Yep. So this sport has just continued to evolve. It's continued to invite more people in um, and get people to where this, this point where they can go all in on it and that's yeah that is such an honor it it's yeah it's kind of unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be at the start line with marianne hogan so it's kind of a repeat of Hurricana. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny that race for her, I think it happened before, right? Before she showed up at UTCT and came second to Courtney and then before her big year that unraveled right. there. Yeah, so that's really, really exciting. Like I love that I've raced with her and at that race, Katie Asmith as well. And I love getting to show up there with like Canadian women. I think like, thank you for having your podcast. I think sometimes, you know, I hear the American ones and I'm like, they, they call the Canadian, always, the Canadians are referred to as the dark horses or the, yes. the underdogs. And I'm like, it's just because you haven't paid attention to the Canadian races. Right. Like, oh, we're up here, we're doing our thing. And <laughs> it, yeah, it's so funny. I was listening to one of the Bandera previews and again, like they called Elliot Cardin, the, the dark horse. And I'm like, mm, he's pretty well known up here. <laughs> like, he'd be a top pick and he should be. So yeah, I don't know. I love getting to toe the line with, I mean, so many amazing athletes and probably some whose names we don't know yet. And like, to each of, of them, like a, just to keep showing up and we all get to do this together. And um, I think, yeah, we really elevate each other. We can, you know, even from afar motivate each other, just knowing that there's other people out there and that you're never really alone in this sport, whether you're training through winter or showing <laughs> up to these big things or setting big, scary goals, there's others out there doing it. And I think we're really like feeling that push kind of from from the Canadians and the Canadian women heading to Western. Well, and it, other was fun. it was fun when I towed the line with them that last year at Western States to stay beside Marianne and Elsa for about three seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, later. Yeah. That, was my, that was my goal. Yeah. Three seconds. Just, just start beside them. And again, that's so fun. Like, this sport is so cool. Like, in what other sport do you get to right the line yeah. with all the different levels of people running? Like, I, yeah, right. I think that's so cool. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we briefly mentioned that you are a coach of your own. So tell us, tell our listeners about that. How did you get into coaching and what's the name of the company and where can people find you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I have a business that I co-own with Katrina, my, my trail sister wife partner <laughs> in all things trail. And it's called Pacific Pine Running Co. And we started our company actually five years ago together. Kind of going back before that, I did my bachelor's in physical education and recreation out at the University of Alberta. So not in the way to teach phys ed, but more in like the physical activity realm. And then I did my master's in occupational therapy. So mm. I've always been highly interested in physiology, anatomy, you know, the basically the inner workings right of the body as well as the mental health side and the psychology side. And so I like that kind of holistic perspective of how we function as humans and what we choose to do with our time or like key underpinnings of really where I've kind of invested a lot of my life. And <laughs> yeah, before starting Pacific Pine Running Co, Katrina and I had been running together quite a bit and had friends reach out that just saw, you know, what we were up to and what we were doing. And they're like, hey, do you, would you do a plan for me or would you put something together? And I'm like, like, yeah, sure. Right? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll do that. Like, and then we kind of snowballed from there into like, uh, I'd say being more intentional with learning more about exercise physiology beyond what my undergrad and master's <laughs> provided because they weren't exercise physiology degrees. Right. So there's some love, like a good level of that for foundation, but then catering that more to endurance performance and just learning more about the running and, you know, especially trail and ultra specifically, which I find really, really fun. Yeah, so then it, we decided to eventually start our company together, and it was really great. Like I think one of the biggest, biggest maybe areas of positive growth and things that have actually allowed it to become what it is today is that I have Katrina to work with. You know, we run ideas by each other, we consult with each other, we learn from each other. So we we have always like since I guess it's oh my gosh, I guess it's been five years. We meet every we meet once a week, and we do a phone call, and we talk about either new articles we've reviewed or something that we're seeing in our athletes' logs, and like mm. what we're learning from that or what questions we have that we want to answer, and then we come back together. And so that's been amazing to allow us to grow as coaches. But yeah, so it started off as, you know, the side hustle, the hobby, yeah. the hobby job. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And that was like, that was fantastic. And did that for, I guess, quite a few years. And then actually last February, so coming up on one year, I left my job as an occupational therapist and went full-time with my coaching. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Wow. That's Thank a you. real achievement. I'm sorry, Thank did you, you. mention the, the, the company name? Yes. Yeah, Pacific, yeah, Pacific Pine Running Co. Okay. We'll put um, the logo up. We'll be putting the, the logo. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So it's been amazing. It's like a self-employment on its own is its own journey. I've, <laughs> I've learned so much more than I could ever imagine that I didn't know I had to learn about business and um, yep. <laughs> you know, the backside of business so that uh, I've asked for a lot of help, which is great and important uh, with that type of stuff. And then just, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it, it aligns well, I think, with like my racing of just like being like, I want to, I want to dream big. I want to go in on myself and I want to push myself to grow and, and get to, I love, I love working with athletes and seeing their goals on the individual level, but I also really love and have always been passionate about bringing people together and connecting community. Mm. Um, I don't like to be the, even though I'm in a lot of podcasts, I talk and I'm happy, like I love doing these things and talk about running anytime. But I don't like to be like the thing people gather for. Like I want mm. to host the thing that people gather for and they remember each other more Got than it. they. Yeah, I really like those community connection pieces. That was a part of it. Like with expanding the team, we have more of that, right? Like we get to mm -hmm. have this year, we're going to do hopefully do some different team meetups and host a team uh, training camp. And oh, um, fun. we have it. Yeah, we ha and we have athletes from all over the world. So obviously not everybody can do stuff like that. Uh, but we have a Slack group that people can connect in. And like just seeing that come to life has just again it's propelled my my motivation and the momentum of of what we're doing and um, hopefully finding ways to work with athletes that don't do one on one coaching because it's not for everybody that hopefully will come down the road and yeah I kind of it's been it's been an amazing journey because I tend to be an ideas person like Katrina and I call it my popcorn brain where I'm like oh I have an idea oh we should do this oh and she's like okay like what are we gonna like what are we doing right now or like for our coaching, um, like, you know, when we're, when we're full, she's like, okay, we can't like, we can't add more right now. <laughs> you know, like, uh, So she's really helpful in having amazing ideas and kind of helping with that, like long-term growth perspective in of the business side of things. And um, it sounds like yeah. a great partnership because you it, need to have, you need somebody you know, to pull the reins a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like if not, I would just want to dabble everywhere. Right. And it's, yeah. So, and, and like, she's always really good to be like, well, what if we do this? And like, or how can we start that now, but not have it become something more than what we're ready for? And, and mm -hmm. yeah, she's, she's great for that. She's uh, like an ultra runner herself. She's a soil microbiologist. So again, her understanding and ability to review amazing science is phenomenal. And she's a mom <laughs> to an 18 month old. So she is a great person for being like, what do we actually have the capacity for? And what's the logical <laughs> response? And I'm like, I'm just going to dream big things and see where it happens, like where it goes. Um, well, you yeah, need so both of those things you do. for sure. Yeah. 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 It's been an amazing year. It's been really amazing to get to work with more athletes out of my full-time job <laughs> and and to get to, yeah, just really lean into that, right? It's I think it has so many benefits for like myself as an athlete too. I, you know, you get to be in that headspace where this is the the primary focus, mm -hmm. and you can't talk to athletes about their recovery and their sleep and things like that without thinking about them yourself. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you, thank you to all them who bring up those amazing topics. <laughs> well, if you do put on a camp in BC, I'm interested in going because I'm doing UTMB this year. 
Mm. I need a lot of vert because <laughs> we have <laughs> yeah. nothing here in Ontario. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a few athletes out there and we're like, okay, you know, I probably know some of the same trails that you know that I'm like, this, <laughs> yeah. this forest service road or whatever has a surprising amount of vert. Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. But before we let you go. Well, actually, I want to discuss also your YouTube channel. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. yeah, yeah. I jumped ahead. <laughs> because I, I have been watching some of it called uh, Run It. Mm-hmm. You and Matt put this together. Yeah, so a full credit to Matt. I just do the parts that you see me doing. That is the extent of my presentation. That sounds familiar. <laughs> same with our channel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I run. He does things. So you don't um, run with a GoPro and film yourself? <laughs> never. Matt, yeah, to probably Matt's um, dismay. He's like, could you just catch some of the course? No. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a YouTube channel. Run it. It's always again evolving, and Matt does that like the end of his kind of spare time. I'll call it as a hobby of our like his. Yeah, we put together. We try to put together mostly race recaps. Um, yeah, we try cool. to do the odd training piece here and there. Yeah. It's again like been such an interesting year um, with going all in on this and and just having so many different things on the calendar that we haven't quite like nailed down that like oh once a month we'll talk about this mm-hmm. and as well Katrina and I do um, once a month Instagram lives on like training topics. So Matt and I kind of keep that out of the YouTube channel and keep it more on like race um, experiences. Yeah. And I think he does a really fun job of delivering the crew experience, which people don't always, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a majority, let's say, of people's experience, right? Like to crew. So I think it's really fun. It's so fun for me after to see that part. <laughs> like, oh, you were really scared you were going to miss me there. That's funny. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, you didn't tell me you got lost or like, you know, stuff like that. So it's fun. Well, when this podcast does go on our channel, I'm yeah. going to be using some of the clips from oh, Run It to insert in the yeah. background, if that's okay. Of course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah thank you. Great. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we let you go, we like to end with a little rapid fire. Oh boy. <laughs> just, just some fun questions. No pressure. Do you have a tattoo? I have four. You have four? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, one I, is the one, size of your arm, two. isn't it? Yeah, I have. So this one is like a, I don't know, like a third of a sleeve <laughs> and it wraps around. Yeah. And then this one has a tree. Uh, oh, I, I have five. <laughs> they happen. I have um, one on my hip that is a quote, one on my foot, and then one on my shoulder. That was my first one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Awesome. Okay. What's the last concert you went to? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm not that fun. <laughs> I think it might have been Coldplay like four years ago. Oh, that's okay. oh good concert though. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was beautiful. <laughs> Butter tarts with or without raisins? Oh, I have to say with because that's how my grandma makes them. But in any other context, everything without raisins. <laughs> oh wow, that's an interesting concept. We're okay. best friends now. We're best friends. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't like raisins, but I like them. So I don't, we, but I eat my grandma's butter tarts. So yeah, <laughs> you can't pick them out. So you either no, eat them it, or you it don't. It is the tart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beer or wine or or in or neither. I actually, yeah, I actually don't really drink. If that was put in front of me, like post race, actually, I would. Mm, I don't know. This isn't a good rapid fire answer. Probably like a nice sweet wine because I like juice, and that's more for, like. Or it's a sour beer that doesn't taste like beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to snack at an aid station? Uh, I'm pretty, again, wow, I'm not, I am not fun. I eat a lot of gels. If I am like nearing the end or want to try something, it's usually just like a chip or something, like a salty yeah. chip or pickle, pickle juice. Chip. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably the most consistent. Yeah, pickle juice straight from the jar if they'll let me again pre-COVID <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. How about what 
part of the world would you like to travel to, not race-related, mm. you haven't seen yet? Oh, probably something I look at a lot when I like need a, a fun boost is like just a beautiful tropical island. Mm. Um, maybe Madagascar, like that, oh, where yeah, there's so nice. much you know biodiversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure you can at... find a race there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might try. <laughs> and last one is pick a superpower. Anything? Anything. I think I would want, well, I'm going to probably pick something running related, but probably like instant recovery. Mm. Oh, like regenerate. Yeah, like just regenerate. Like the, like the right Wolverine. On... Oh, there we go. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could just be a Wolverine. That's um, a good one. And be ready to go again right away. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be And good. like healthily, like, yeah, without any like long-term damage, right? Like just actually regenerate. <laughs> yeah. Back the way you were. Well, yeah. this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope we chat again soon. Great. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah. Thanks so All much. right. Bye. Have a good Have a day. great day. Bye. Bye. And that was Jenny Quilty, fresh off her 100-mile debut win in Chiang Mai, Thailand at the Doi Inthanon trail race, which sounded extremely gnarly. It sounded like uh, an adventure race, more of a bunch of bushwhacking. <laughs> <laughs> she, she had to keep her poles the whole time. That's crazy. It's, that's the whole part of our sport. It's an adventure. You don't know what you're going to get. Destination races, other countries. And... and she had the right attitude about it, being very grateful that she was there and not taking things too quickly and knowing that and she stuck to her race plan, which is, yes. oh, hey, one step at a time. I'll get there when I get there and just let the race unfold. And she pulls out a win. Yeah, which absolutely. Which gets her a Western States ticket. She will be at the start line, Western States. And what are we doing in June? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we will see. All right. And if you want to check out her coaching. Yes. Her and Katrina's company's name is Pacific Pine Running Co. out in B.C., Check out the website. We'll have it listed in the notes. And also her and Matt's YouTube channel. Run It. Called Run It. All her adventure videos. And he's the behind scenes. (laughs) Once in a while, he pokes his head out (laughs) and on the video and talks for a bit. But anyways. Sounds like fun. All good fun. All right. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Gotta Run Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.